Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Uh, maybe you remember two weeks ago, Prema Tarangani Devi, she gave a talk here uh, on Sunday, and it was all about the Srimad Bhagavatam, the, uh, um, the wonderful Vedic literature, which you see here, um, that was uh, translated into English by our founder, Acharya, whose statue is here, Srila Prabhupada. And it's, it's an amazing uh, transcendental literature that is all about the science of the absolute truth. And we're going to focus today on the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. There's 12 cantos altogether, or 12, like, uh, you wouldn't call them chapters, but major sections. That's why we call them cantos, I guess. Uh, and the 11th is just, just before the last one. And it's uh, in this chapter that we're going to talk about today, it's one of the last instructions that Lord Krishna gives in the entire Bhagavatam. And he's, what he's doing is he's telling a, a story um, of a time when a great king, his name was Yadu, met a great Brahmana uh, who's uh, described as an avaduta or someone who's not, is very much not of this world, you know, just really transcendental, um, doesn't have a job and two cars in his garage and all that, just kind of it lives a very, very renounced life. And this great Brahmana is telling Yadu Maharaj about the gurus that he has. And he's not talking about gurus like our Srila Prabhupada or the traditional idea, but the, the different uh, things that he sees in the world that instruct him in spiritual life. So he talks about 24 of them. Um, some of them are the earth, well, not some of them, all of them. The earth, the air, the sky, water, fire, the moon, the sun, pigeons, pythons he learns from, the sea, moths, hun uh, honeybees, elephants, honey thieves, uh, deer, fish, kukara birds, society woman named Pingala, children, a young girl, an arrow maker, uh, serpents, spiders, and wasps. So you, you should uh, definitely pick up this book and read about... We're not going to cover all 24 today. We're going to cover four of them as a little taste of just how, a great, uh, how this great spiritual person learned so much from nature. And hopefully we'll have some time at the end to talk about how we can also do this in our own lives. Learn from the things that you see as you're driving to work, as you're uh, as you're interacting with uh, other people at the Giants or Safeways or uh, um, the Patel Indian store in Rockville or wherever, right? <laughs> uh, wherever you are, the different, because we have so many things that we do in our life, and it's great if we can see them through the eyes uh, of Shastra, of Scripture, or of spiritual understanding. Uh, this, is called, this, uh, this is called Shastra Chakshus. Chakshus means to see and see through the eyes of, let's say, the Bhagavad Gita. See through the eyes of Krishna's teachings. So we're going to go through four of them. 
uh, and uh, pause for some questions, and then if time allows, talk a little bit about how we can increase our ability to see things uh, in our day-to-day -day lives, okay? Seatbelts on? All right. So we're going, so this is um, just, I wanted to begin with this verse, a beautiful verse from the Gita where Krishna says, Yomam pasyata sarvata sarvam cha mai pasyati. Tasyaham na pranasyam hi na satchame na pranasyam. For one who sees me everywhere and sees everything in me, I am never lost to that devotee, nor is he ever lost to me. So we can, we can um, it's not that we have our spiritual life in the morning or when we come to the temple on Sundays and the rest of it is just, you know, doing normal, air quotes, normal stuff. But actually, our, what we should leave these Sundays surcharged with spiritual vision so that we see things in a different light throughout the, throughout the week. Because okay? really, what is a philosophy if it's not meant to be experienced and practiced and, and be real in our day-to-day -day existence and not just something we read in a book and then uh, put it on the shelf. Just like um, our, our, so Srila Prabhupada, when he uh, translated Bhagavad Gita, he called it Bhagavad Gita Yata. So if you know Sanskrit, Yata is translated often as as it is. So he, in English he put Bhagavad Gita as it is. In other words, not interpreting Krishna's words, but presenting them as it is. But we should be careful not to just have Bhagavad Gita as it is, on the bookshelf as it is, right? And not read it and not see things through the eyes of it, okay? So first one is, uh, is the, the, this great sage looks up at the moon and uh, sees the different phases of the moon throughout, throughout the month. Right from the new moon to the uh, the waxing and the waning moon and the full moon, right? Uh, and this is the verse. It says, uh, "The various phases of one's material life, beginning with birth and culminating with death, are all properties of the body and do not affect the soul. Just as the apparent waxing and waning of the moon does not affect the moon itself." Right? So do we have that experience? I mean, the, does the moon change just because we see it in different phases? Does it? Anyone been to the moon recently? No, but uh, even if you haven't been to the moon recently, right, the moon is the moon. Our perception of it doesn't at all affect the moon itself. It remains that planet as it is. We perceive it sometimes differently, but it doesn't affect the moon at all. Our perception does not affect the moon at all, right? So similarly, um, our body goes through different stages, right? Um, right? We go from a uh, child's body to youth to a teenage body. Oh, my God, teenage bodies, those are really no fun. Uh, and then we become 20, in our 20s, maybe we get married at that time. In our 30s, you know, we start having children in our late tw our 20s or 30s. And, and we get promotions in our 40s and 50s. We start thinking about retirement in our 60s and 70s like that. Our life goes through different phases. But according to Krishna's teachings in the Gita, very clear teachings, the soul is not affected by any of those changes. Just as the moon is not affected by our perception of it. The soul is sat, chit, 
Ananda. It's eternal, it's full of knowledge, and it's full of happiness. Hmm? That's, and that's eternally so. Like, uh, we could ask you to raise your hands, but I think we know the question. Uh, how many of you would like to be happy? Okay, a few of you. Okay, anyway, right. Okay, right. Otherwise, we're already happy. That's uh, a very uh, optimistic statement, yes. Um, and how long would you like to be happy for? Anyone who raised their hand, how long would you like to be happy for? Forever. Okay. Uh, so my wife told me I'm turning 60 next week. Only my body, not my soul. Uh, right. um, but as I start you know, getting up in years, uh, I find it a little harder to be happy uh, at least on the physical level, right? The eyes are starting to get a little tougher. My prescription changes every time. And I remember I went for a, a checkup at uh, Bhaktivedanta Hospital, our uh, hospital that's run by devotees in Mumbai. And uh, the key word that I saw, that what you do is you go to different, uh, the way they do it there for checkups, it's quite thorough. And you go to the different... Um, uh, parts of the hospital for different things that check your heart and check your eyesight and check your hearing. And, and the key word that I noticed uh, in each of the reports was uh, something like normal degenerative. <laughs> right? You know, in other words, going downhill, right? The hearing is getting a little tougher. Better get better eye prescriptions. That's just the nature of this world. So if we want to be happy, and you said forever, right? And I think you know, a lot of people echoed that. It's, Krishna's teaching should be a great solace for us because you can't be forever happy in this body. It's not, we all, it's not possible. We know that, right? Because the body's not forever. But the good news is that who we really are, the soul that is eternal, full of uh, knowledge and full of happiness, right? Forever, is, is actually our real situation. Hmm? So this, the sage, by watching the moon, connected that with, Lord, with Krishna's teachings and the spiritual teachings in the Bhagavad Gita, right? As the moon does not change, we actually don't, we actually remain eternal, Satchit Ananda. But we do, we are right now in a bit of a mess, right? And there's three concepts um, to be very mindful of in this mess, um, so the first is the soul. In Sanskrit, it's called the atma or the jiva. Um, and that's who we are. That's the conscious being uh, existing independently of the body, but actually is the, energizes the body. Because right? what is the difference between... For those uh, living in... Uh, my wife mentioned that we lived in Vrindavan for 21 years. And so we saw, we saw a lot of people leave this world because a lot of people go to Vrindavan... Um, uh, when, you know, there's no longer any chance of kind of, you know, they go kind of in a palliative mood, right, ready to leave this world. So we saw a lot of people leave the body. Uh, As we say, we left the body because we say the atma leaves the body. So what is the difference between a live body and a dead body? Right? uh, uh, All the uh, cells are still the same. So many things remain the same, but the, the thing that actually energizes the body, the soul has left. So there's a soul that's sat-chit-ananda. And then there's, this, then there's this very important concept of karma. Now, we all know, we've all heard the word, right? But it's the actions that, we, that create future births. 
Okay? And then the last concept is samsara, or the cycle of birth and death and birth and death, going through these, uh, these, this cycle again and again and again. Um, so, you know, there's basically three ideas you could, you could consider, right, when we think of this, when we think of existence. We could say that there is no soul, there is no God, right? We, do, we come into this world, we, we last as long as we can, and then we leave chemicals before, chemicals at the end, it go, all goes back into the earth, and there is no, so therefore there's not really any particular goal in life, um, because there is no kind of like uh, North Star purpose to it. Um, it came about by, uh, by chance, and that's, that's you know, um, so sometimes we conclude, someone who thinks like that concludes, well, I'll just try to get as much as I can out of this life and enjoy this life and hope that my football team at least wins before I die, right, or, or whatever. Then there's the idea that, okay, so we, there is a soul, um, but there's just this one life, right, the soul that energizes this one life. And then at the end, there's a judgment, and depending on our activities, uh, we get judged by, by God. But then the Vedic system is, connects these three points. The connect, Vedic system connects these three. You can't have one without the other two. That we're a soul, and that based on our karma, our, pre, our activities in previous lives, we get birth in this life. And that continues in this cycle of birth and death. Until, of course, we get out of that cycle by uh, attaining our original position as a uh, devotee or lover of the Supreme Lord. We'll get to that a little later. But this, um, this is the Vedic understanding, and it really does make a lot of sense. Why is someone... I always wondered before I uh, read the Bhagavad Gita, I, I always wondered... Uh, I grew up in a very, very wealthy town on Long Island in New York, but we weren't that wealthy. We were middle-class-ish, but all my friends were driving Jaguars and Mercedes and Rolls Royces, et cetera, to, to school, and I was driving a Chevy Impala, to give you some idea. Uh, but I was, but I, and then we would go into New York City. Um, my mother would take us a lot to Broadway shows and things, and we'd see people begging on the street. There was a lot more of that in New York than you see today. And I was wondering, why is someone born with a silver spoon in their mouth and then someone else is, is homeless? And when I, when I learned these three points and this idea that karma, actions that create future births, and it's not by chance that we take birth in a certain family and things like that, it, it, for me it really rung true. It really helped me um, say, wow, this Bhagavad Gita is very deep philosophy. Um, so this is the Vedic concept. And next time you look at the moon, we can remember this. And one last point about this. So sometimes when we think, well, I'm a soul, I'm eternal, and I have this family for this life, but they're not going to be the same family in my next life, so, you know. Right? Why should I work so hard and pay the bills and stuff like that? Well, you know, you know right? Or who cares about my kids? You know, we could, one could get that kind of callous feeling. That's not at all what the conclusion should be. Actually, the conclusion is quite opposite that uh, when we hear the other part of the Bhagavad Gita, that, there, that there's Krishna, that we have a loving relationship with the Lord, and that, part, uh, and that my family members are also part and parcel of Krishna. And so, especially if they have some interest in, in spirituality, serving them is like serving a devotee of the Lord. 
And so our relationship is not just on the bodily platform, but it's on another higher, more uh, real platform, spiritual platform. So actually, spiritual relationships, even within the family situation, are not one of misunderstanding, well, who cares, I'm a soul anyway, right? But actually one of more, uh, more intimacy based on a much higher principle. Okay, so that's the first, first one. The next one is a nice, tranquil ocean. Anyone ever been on a tranquil ocean? I know sometimes when you're by the shore, it's, sometimes if there's a hurricane or a big storm, it's not so tranquil, but sometimes the ocean is very... Matter of fact, that's how the word, the Pacific Ocean comes from the word pacified, right? You know, the, some, if you're out on, on a cruise or sometimes, sometimes the ocean is so peaceful. So peaceful, right? So this great sage uh, said, a sage is pleasing in his external behavior, whereas internally he is grave and thoughtful. Because his knowledge is immeasurable, he is never disturbed. He is like the tranquil waters of the unfathomable ocean. During the rainy season, swollen rivers rush into the ocean. And during the dry summer, the rivers severely reduce their supply of water. Yet the ocean does not swell up during the rainy season, nor does it dry up in the hot summer. Right? Maybe some of you have seen this terrible... Um, flooding that's happening in Kerala right now. Anyone uh, seen that news? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's quite dangerous there actually right now in parts of Kerala. Uh, and so those rivers, that uh, some of the big rivers, they're going into the Indian Ocean. But the Indian Ocean doesn't uh, all of a sudden become big and start flooding the uh, coastal areas. Or, or during um, April, May, and June, right, when there's no rain and it's very dry, doesn't, doesn't get, it, it remains the same. So that's a, that's a lesson that this great sage learned just by watching the ocean. Right? That happiness comes sometimes and distress comes sometimes, but a deeply spiritual person uh, works on not becoming so elated when things are going well and depressed when things are going bad, but is a, in a steady kind of spiritual consciousness. That's not, easy to, that's not easy to do, by the way, but there is a trick. Okay? Should I tell you the trick? No, okay, I won't tell you. Next verse. No, no, I will tell you the trick. Um, to just try to be peaceful, not so easy, right? But if we are conscious of Krishna, right, uh, Krishna says in the 57th verse, if someone could look it up in their smartphone, chapter 18, verse 57. Someone look it up in the meantime. Uh, so I'll, we'll quote that verse in a second. But if we are uh, conscious of Krishna and that we're God's servant, then you see we have a whole different way of seeing the world. right? Because when the world is just seen through our eyes of everything's meant for my enjoyment and my peace of mind, then we get really disturbed when things aren't so peaceful. But when we think, come, what do they say, heaven or high waters, you know, come uh, hell or high waters, whether, you know, things are going bad, things are going good, we, um, our goal is to please God. Our goal is to be a servant of Krishna. It's just like uh, uh, our founder, Srila Prabhupada, used to say that a really good business person, right, someone who's really pukka at business, like a pakamawari, right? Really good business person, right? 
Uh, they make money when the market goes up, and they make money when the market goes down, right? Like we know in, even in stocks, you can sell short, and if the stock goes down, you make money and things like that. So, so similarly, uh, a devotee of Krishna can make spiritual progress when things are going really well and when things are going not so well. Did you find the verse? Yeah. Okay. Um, you got it? Uh, in all activities, just depend upon me and work always under my protection. In such devotional service, be fully conscious. Is this donation? No. <laughs> Got to be careful what you hand a devotee sometimes. Because <laughs> they take everything and then use it for Krishna. So if we become conscious of Krishna, um, then the ups and downs, we of course will experience ups and downs. Um, but to the extent that we are uh, finding real shelter in Krishna, those, instead of being like this, way up and way down, it's more like this. Instead of a roller coaster, it's more like a, a pleasing wave, right? And ultimately, the very advanced devotee uh, in the 14th chapter of the 10th canto, the same book we were talking about, the Srimad Bhagavatam, it says that when, when something, a uh, person, when a devotee goes into difficulty, and understanding, well, you know, that's kind of my karma. Remember we talked about karma, right? I should have gotten worse, but Krishna so kindly is, is taking care of me and minimizing things. And with my heart, my words, my thoughts, I take shelter of him. One who's done that, one is, uh, they say that that consciousness, you've automatically inherited the kingdom of God. Jiveti yo mukti pade sadayabak is the Sanskrit. Right? The, the, the example is given that in the Vedic tradition, I know it's, it's sometimes different today, but traditionally, right, the eldest son inherited everything from the father. Is that right? In, in tradition, right? Automatically, just by being the eldest son. So that example is given that just similarly, automatically, one inherits the kingdom of God if one develops that consciousness. So like the, uh, so that's something that we can learn by observing a pacified ocean, to be peaceful in mind, and ultimately the real way to be peaceful in mind is not just forcing us, I gotta be peaceful, I gotta be peaceful, oh gosh, I really gotta be peaceful, right? That, that, that's really tough, right? But to uh, say, Krishna, I know there's a lesson in this for me. Please let me understand the lesson. I know sometimes you test me. Please let me pass the test. Right? Sometimes his tests are more difficult than the, uh, what was, like in India, the IAS exams. Those are pretty tough, right? Or the exams to get into um, IIT, right? 600 people out of 60,000 or something, uh, applicants get into IIT. So this, sometimes Krishna's exams may be a little more challenging than that. But he never gives us a, a, a test that we can't pass. So I'm sure, even in this room today, I, you know, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, we're going through some challenges in our lives. It's natural. Uh, Krishna says, Dukalayam asashvatam, that this world is, right? You know this Dukalaya, right? Just like we, we've talked about this before, like you go to a medicine shop in India sometimes, Oshodalaya, right? And uh, a, a restaurant sometimes called Bojanalaya, the alaya, the place you get, bo you get food, 
right? And so Krishna said, Dukalaya. <laughs> he says, sometimes this world is the alaya, the place you get unhappiness. So we, go, we all are at some point in our lives, but if we can become practiced at Krishna, what is the lesson? What can I, how can I remember you? How can I still please you even in this difficult situation? Please give me the insight, the acumen, the spiritual acumen, the, the spiritual strength, and Krishna will give. And then 2020 hindsight, you know, after that, whatever that difficulty was that we went through, often we'll look back and we'll say, ah, oh, that was Krishna's mercy. Even though it might have been a real challenge at the time we were going through it. So we can learn a lot just from the ocean. Okay, so that's the second one. The third one is fishing. Now, it's not something that most of us probably do. But um, the, just as a fish incited by the desire to enjoy his tongue, right? The fish sees that, that on the hook, whatever that food is on the hook, is fatally trapped on the fisherman's hook. Similarly, a foolish person is bewildered by ex the extremely disturbing urges of the tongue and is thus ruined. So remember we talked about karma, right? And so karma is very related to one of the activities we do all the time, right? We always eat, right? Probably many of us three times a day. And uh, sometimes if, you're a, if you go to an Ayurvedic doctor and you tell him and he... He or she tells you that you're a vata. He might tell you even to eat more often. Sometimes they say, no, you should just nibble often. Right? Or if you're a real sadhu, sometimes two or one time a day. Whatever, we regularly eat. So how we eat is such an important thing, not just for our health, um, but also for our spiritual practices, also for our karma and what kind of birth we get in our next life. This is very much affected by our eating habits. So the first thing we do is we recommend, of course, you know, Krishna said, certainly recommends being a vegetarian. He says, patram pushpam falam toyam yome bhaktiya parayachati. Uh, so what are some reasons we should be a vegetarian? One reason. Those are the foods that Krishna okay, so, those, so he goes right to the essence. Those are the foods that Krishna recommends. Okay, what else? Yes? Ahimsa, nonviolence. Yes, why should we? Yeah, we don't want to. If you ever, we wouldn't ever want to go to, for us in this room, it would be terrible to go to a, a slaughterhouse and to see a cow or something like that being butchered. Oh, it's just awful. Another reason we're vegetarians. Merciful, right, to be, uh, to be compassionate. What else? In the back there? To continue. So purity, to control our mind. Is that what you said? Yes. To, yes, for pure, yes. Uh, eating things that are... Um, I was once giving a talk at a uh, uh, Christian university. And they're very much into peace. Right? Cause my, my role, my, as my wife introduced me, I'm in my, job, my profession is conflict resolution. So they asked me to give a talk about conflict resolution. So I began by saying, peace begins at the dinner table. And then they were, you know, they, were a little, they were a little embarrassed. But yes, purity. What other reasons are we vegetarians? Oh, so we can offer to Krishna. Okay, all these spiritual guys around here. Any not so, yes? 
Very good for health. Yes, there's a, we could come up with so many different studies, but uh, we have uh, Hitesh, right? You, you say that you tell your, what do you tell some of your patients? A plant-based diet. So Hitesh is a cardiologist, and one of the things he tells uh, many of his, uh, his, uh, <clears throat> his part patients is you should adopt a plant-based diet, as our uh, President uh, Clinton has done, right? Yes, so it's very, it's very good. Uh, you could probably come here, Hitesh, and give a whole lecture about health and vegetarianism, but, right, you could. I'm not going to ask you to do it, don't worry. But, uh, uh, you see, I, I like to hog the mic, so I, I won't do that. Any other reasons? A sattvic mind. It makes your mind peaceful. Okay, let's see if he's got a less spiritual... Oh, wait, wait, we've heard from you. Yes? To avoid bad karma? Same? Okay, yeah, so there's many different... Yes, you have another one? The environment is a huge one. One of the, one of the biggest, uh, you know, water is a, very, is a scarce thing in this world. And the amount of water, for example, it takes 30%. Humans. Right. And then also feeding animals to slaughter them. Uh, anyway, there's, there, yes, the environment. I won't get into a whole uh, speech now. But yes, the environment is very much affected. Matter of fact, um, this very big, it's not a startup anymore, but I forget the name of it. They're the ones that rent space for offices and do open space uh, planning. I forget the name of the organization. They've insisted on only vegetarianism in all the workplaces. And the reason was uh, the environment. We have another one? The slaughter industry is the number one pollutant in the whole world. So anyway, a lot of reasons. Right? A lot of reasons to be a vegetarian. And beyond that, as some of you have brought up, is that Krishna says, uh, again, that verse, this is uh, verse 26 in chapter 9 right, of the Bhagavad Gita, if you want to look it up. He says, one who offers me vegetarian food, but then he uses the word bhakti twice in that verse. Right? So it's not just it being, because even pigeons are vegetarians. Right? And they're not necessarily spiritually advanced. But there's a next step, right? If you think about it, is anything that we eat directly or indirectly not come from the earth? Can you think of anything that anyone eats that either directly or indirectly comes from the, not come from the earth? Because even if you say milk or meat, right, you, you feed the animals. What do you feed the animals with? Hay, this or that, all comes from the, everything we eat. Right? So just even out of gratitude for Mother Earth, and what to speak of Father Krishna, who created Mother Earth, right? Um, out of gratitude and out of love and appreciation, we first offer the food to Krishna before we eat it. So if you don't do that, it's easy process. Get a, download a picture, or even if you don't have a printer, just uh, pull up a picture of Krishna on the internet, put your food in front of your computer, and... Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. If you're more interested in doing it a little bit more of a pukka way, we can tell you some of the mantras to chant, to offer. And if you already do this, you have deities at home and an altar and a room dedicated perhaps, we can still always, and I'm sure we'd all agree to this, we could always improve our devotion and make it more pukka. Just like uh, uh, a boy, I got to be watchful of the clock. But um, 
The first person that our Srila Prabhupada taught how to cook in ISKCON was, her name was Jamuna Devi Dasi. And uh, we were fortunate, my wife and I, that uh, Jamuna lived with us. We have a house in Brindavan, uh, and we have a guest room upstairs, and she lived there for a month. And she, we watched her cook, and she was trained by Srila Prabhupada directly. And one of the things she does, first of all, she says a lot of prayers before she cooks. And then the entire kitchen is in completely spotless the entire time she's cooking. Because Prabhupada taught her you have to clean while you cook. So it's completely spotless, right? You know, for me, there's, if even though I'm making chapati, there's flour all over the place, and, and ghee on the floor, and this and that, you know, it's a, and you know, the, you know the, the potato peels are all over, you know, right? <laughs> but everything was spotlessly clean the whole time, because that's the way Prabhupada taught her. And then she, you know, she made a special offering to her deities. And you could really, I, I felt it was a spiritual experience just tasting the, the food that she cooked, the prasadam that she cooked. So we can make it more, even if we're doing this already, we have a picture like on this picture, or we have an altar like this. We can, we can always be more devotional, more pakka. So uh, eating is something we do every single day. So why not connect that to spirituality as well? Okay. All right. I'm getting hung. I'm looking at. I better move the picture, or else you're all going to want to march out of here and have you know prasadam. Uh, and the last one is the uh, the hunter's horn. Okay. And a devotee should not listen to music promoting material enjoyment. Rather, they should carefully study a deer, who is bewildered by the sweet music of the hunter's horn and is thus captured and killed. Right, so um, this is you know the intelligence, the good use of intelligence is making good choices, right? So we all have our different kind of music that we like that may not be spiritually connected, whether it's Hindi, uh, whether it's Bollywood music, right, or you know uh, whatever, The Grateful Dead or whatever, right? Um, but we can redirect our love for music by having a love for kirtan. So this is uh, Lord Chaitanya, uh, the incarnation of Krishna who appeared 500 years ago. He, he only wrote eight verses, and this was the first verse that he wrote. Right? And he's glorifying kirtan. And sun kirtan means with others, as Palaka Prabhu does every week in Silver Spring. Uh, he goes on the streets and does sankirtan. So, he, so he, sankirtan cleanses, cleanses our heart. Uh, it gets rid of that samsara. Remember we talked about samsara, the uh, repeated birth and death. It is a benediction for all humanity because it spreads. So this is a different kind of moon, right? The, the moon, the benediction moon that is just showering spiritual vibes on everyone. It's the, it gives life to knowledge. Uh, it increases our bliss and it enables us to taste. Remember, you, everyone said they wanted to be happy forever? So it gives us that nectar uh, taste for which we are always anxious. So we, um, I'm sure we've experienced this. This is a nice devotee, Badahari Prabhu, who's a wonderful kirtan leader. And speaking of wonderful kirtan leaders, uh, Srila Prabhupada uh, taught so many bhajans and, so, and encouraged us to have kirtan all the time. So try, we should try to direct our attraction to music to help us get out of the material world. 
So we, we mentioned a few of these uh, a little while ago, but here's a few ideas. You, you can use your technology. The iskandesiretree.com has so many bhajans and kirtans, all the Prabhupada's kirtans and bhajans. Um, all of the, uh, the talks that are recorded here at ISKCON of DC are on the soundcloud.com, ISKCON of DC, every one of them. And if you want to learn the Bhagavad Gita, um, the Bhakti Shastri course that I taught is all there. And Giri Govardhan Prabhu's is also there. And all the bhajans and kirtans over the years are there also. The Bhaktivedanta Vedic Library has Srila Prabhupada's books all um, in audio form. So when you're, dry, when you're in a traffic jam on the beltway, you can be totally blissed out while everyone else is honking their horns and is really upset. You can be like, oh, Hare Krishna. Uh, and if um, these Sadhu Sangha retreats that they have in uh, North Carolina every summer, um, those are all recorded on this narotam.com kirtan. So just some ways that you can uh, use your smartphones to be really smart. Right? Um, so those were four ideas uh, about becoming Shastra Chakshu, seeing the world through the eyes of Shastra. So we can learn by looking at the moon, by looking at the, the still water. Um, what was one about Prasadam? I forgot already. Thank you, fishing. All right, just testing you. And the hunter and the, the uh, hunter's horn. So, we have some time for comments, questions. Yes, in the back, we need a microphone. Panchakalpa to Rubias Cha, Kripasin For those who don't know that prayer, she's saying, "Let's eat." No, that wasn't what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am really grateful to be here today. Um, I've been on the road since 5 a.m. Wow. Um, I'm taking my son back to college. Um, but during the course of our drive, we were listening to um, His Holiness Radhanath Swami talking about Mukunda and his son Raghunandan and how uh, his, his, he just told his son to go offer some <laughs> prashadam to the deities and he had no idea he was very young and because of his devotional mood and attitude the deity actually partake took of actually, the yes. prashadam so just coming here and then seeing that on the screen about you know prashadam and so on and so forth it was really helpful to see the divine connection and mm. all things and there you go so you're so, seeing krishna in your life yeah. That's that you see that's when life really becomes exciting. Instead of like, oh, okay, another day. Instead of like, you know, you know, okay, get up, go to work, you know, punch in the clock, go home, eat some potato chips, watch TV, go to sleep. No, or whatever. We may potato chips offered to Krishna, of course. Uh, but life really becomes exciting when we see what does Krishna have in store for me today? How can I see him in this way or in that way? Right? Uh, then life really becomes exciting. So maybe, you know, so for you, you say, oh, wow, this connection, was, we heard about Prashadam, and then there's a picture of Prashadam in the class, right? And then, uh, and then we were talking about driving and listening to things, and there you go. Thank you very much. Panchakalpa. Next comment, question. Yes, a microphone to this gentleman. It should be coming. Yeah, it's coming. No, it's just that there's a lot of people online. That's why we do the microphone thing. It's, there you go. 
Uh, Lord Krishna has a statement in the Gita that, uh, that what becomes bitter becomes sweet and what becomes sweet becomes bitter. I have my own understanding of that. I mean, I see it in lots of different ways, but I'd love to hear another interpretation. Great. Thank you for that question. So what he says is um, he's talking about the three energies in this material world, um, the mode of goodness, the mode of passion, and the mode of ignorance. And he says goodness and, and even spirituality is sometimes a little bitter in the beginning, but it's nectar in the end. And we ever had that experience? You know you're not, you know you're not you know you're supposed to do something. Okay, I should go to the temple. Oh God, it's a long drive, and you know, um, especially let's say two months from now, the Redskins are playing, and you know. But okay, I'll go. So it's a little tough. You get in the car and you're still like kicking and screaming. You know, maybe your spouse really wanted to go, so you're doing it for them. But time. But when you get to the temple, wow, that was a really nice kirtan. Prashadam was really great. I met so many old friends. So it's a little poison in the beginning, but nectar in the end. Um, uh, and so a lot of you know things are a little bit like that. That we, you know, we don't necessarily have a taste right away for it, but when we do it, we feel good, right? Even being self-controlled, right? You feel at the moment that you don't have that third piece of cheesecake, you feel a little ugh in your heart. But later, you feel, oh, that was really good. I feel happy that I didn't do that. So that's in the mode of goodness. And then passion is, uh, is nectar in the beginning. You're connecting the senses with the sense objects. But then poison in the end. You know, poison is a strong word. But, you know, that, fit, that, that extra cheesecake and you look at yourself and you feel, oh, boom, bloated. Or, or, or you did something you know you weren't supposed to do, but you did it anyway because it felt good at that time. But afterwards, it's like a bummer. So that's the mode of uh, passion. Or... You get in trouble for doing things, right? You know, you, uh, you get stoned or you get drunk or whatever, and then you get behind a wheel and you get pulled over and you no, no longer have a driver's license. It seemed like a good idea in the beginning, right? Um, so that's, that's where that comes from in the Bhagavad Gita. The, uh, and it's also these two words called shreyas and preyas. Shreyas means long-term um, uh, goals, and preyas means short-term and often spirituality is being a little is being able to sacrifice a little of the short term for the long term and that's a use of the intelligence to think because uh, sometimes we forget what the consequences of our action are going to be and then if we add that to the idea of karma and re- and uh, samsara then we think ooh i better be really careful what i do in this life because it's going to have an effect on the next thank you for that question uh, the hardest person who asks questions in the entire congregation. Yes, Gopi Manjari. But also one of the most wonderful members of our yatra. Thanks, Prabhu. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to ask about the mind. The mind. Said about, I wanted to just ask about karma yes. and the mind and the peacefulness. So I was thinking, it seems like sometimes when we think about karma, we always think about external kind of state of affairs but I was thinking when we're born uh, it seems like some people naturally have more of a peaceful state of mind right. it's going to just comically be easier for them Correct. and therefore if somebody comically has more of a um, kind of fluxed or agitated mind it's, it's just going to be more difficult to be like that like right. that ocean Right. But um, so, so my question is more: um, if there is this uh, 
sense of you know whatever you know you may be going for a roller coaster whatever your karma is right. you know um, but you can't change that but it's the state of um, so I'm just trying to get a confirmation is it more the state of mind of how you experience and see that external circumstances that mm. it becomes more like that because sometimes someone might be going up and down externally but the way they perceive and experience it they're able to find a certain level of although they're going through that it's it's that that you know or vice versa someone externally might be completely I got, I get it. Yeah. steady but in their mind they're up and down right well one thing that one part of the question you're asking is about pre uh predestination and free will because we have so if we have this predestination due to our karma that we're going to be like this a peaceful person an agitated person whatever right uh so where does free will come in and you know the the classic example i think to give of uh pre that we do have karma right like the family we were born in is part of our karma um but it's just like the idea of the example a great example of giving your on an airplane like today I'm flying to Denver in about uh, four hours, three hours from now. So once the plane takes off and, you know, uh, excluding any terrible thing, it's destined to go to Denver. But I have my free will. You want this? Oh. I have my free will. Although the plane is destined to go to Denver, I can talk to the person sitting next to me. I can uh, get some, uh, which I am going to do, get some things from the uh, bake sale and then eat them on the plane, right? Or I can, take, I can take a nap. I can read the Shastra. I can really get into Maya and watch a movie. You know, I can do anything. Right? I have that, a lot of free will within that predestination, right? So similarly, one may have by birth a certain karma that may be more peaceful or more agitated or more this or more, more beautiful, more less beautiful, more rich, less rich, all these things. But that can be adjusted ultimately um, in the sense that you're talking about by Krishna's help. So even a person who maybe has a karma of being very much in the mode of passion and therefore their mind is agitated a lot, uh, by taking shelter of Krishna, um, Krishna can help that person become more pacified. Uh, so that's part of it. And then the other thing we can do, it's, hard to, it's harder to take shelter. It's harder to take shelter because they're in the mode of passion. If they are depending, if any of us in this room are depending on our own spiritual muscles, then it's going to be hard for all of us. But luckily, Krishna says, Yoga shemam baham yaham. He says, I preserve what you have, I carry what you lack. He says that, right? He promises that in the Gita. So we ultimately, a very advanced devotee, is fully dependent on Krishna and says, Krishna, I, I can't get out of illusion on my own. Please help me. That's a very advanced devotee. So Krishna, you know, God helps those that help themselves. So even if, we're, if we have all kinds of bad karma, doesn't matter. Um, it, it, Krishna says in the Gita that our position in life is not based on our janma, it's based on our, uh, our works and our uh, nature. Okay? Last question. Yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Uh, you mentioned that Krishna always keeps every, something for us every day. So how do we see 
uh, what Krishna kept for us. You know, and uh, you know, my fear is like it shouldn't become a mental speculation that making a, our own guesses. Right, and that's why we mentioned Shastra Chakshus. is not just to say, oh, Krishna, you know, uh, did this or that. We see through the eyes of the Bhagavad Gita, especially. Right? So, uh, or in this case, we're going to have a presentation in a minute now about this, I can't show it on the screen anymore, but this great book, the Srimad Bhagavatam. Because if we... Uh, see through the eyes of Scripture and then apply that Scripture to our lives, then we, we can see Krishna's uh, hand in so many things that happen to us. Otherwise, we become like, you know, like a fish in water. doesn't even notice they're in water, right? They're just surrounded by water. So most of us are just like whatever in our day-to-day life. But if we start seeing through the eyes of Scripture, say, oh, that was Krishna's mercy. So we see, so this Srimad Bhagavatam in this 18,000 verses, it's literally one story after another about a devotee uh, seeing Krishna in their lives and seeing Krishna enter into their lives. So that's the special nature of this great book. So now we're going to see a very short, I think three minutes, two minute and a half minutes uh, uh, about the Srimad Bhagavatam. Let's hope it works, fingers crossed. Yeah, what about the sound? Yes. Hare Krishna. This year there's an incredible opportunity to make spiritual advancement. That's Bhadra Purnima. It's coming on September 24th, 2018. It's the day that the Srimad Bhagavatam says is a great opportunity. Therefore, the following day, on the month of Bhadra, I take the Srimad Bhagavatam on a golden throne and gives it as a gift. Even attain the supreme transcendental destination. Bhadra Purnima is part of an even bigger project called Go Matsya. Matsya, of course, is the Lord's incarnation who saved the Vedas by keeping them up on a boat. We also, through Go Matsya, intend to help save the Vedas through mass distribution and education. People all over the world will take advantage of this great benediction given in Shastra to give away a full set of Srimad Bhagavatams to a friend, to a relative, or to somebody who they've never met. To the Srimad Bhagavatam, as you know, is the ripened food of Vedic knowledge, and it was compiled by Vyasadeva in the prime of his maturity. So this is a very good advice how we can make spiritual advancement. Srila Prabhupada brought with him to America Srimad Bhagavatam sets. His main goal was to make sure that this vibration got out to the whole world. Now's a chance to make that happen. Imagine what a benediction to be connected to Srila Prabhupada's core mission to distribute Srimad Bhagavatam. It's a rare opportunity. You can donate on someone else's behalf. You can buy the books yourself and give them away, or you can give the money to your local Bhadra campaign project, and they'll distribute the books for you on that special day. Please join us for this incredible initiative to spread Srila Prabhupada's translations and purports of Srimad Bhagavatam all over the world and get benediction to everybody and re-spiritualize society. Please take advantage 